Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person or child. Your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Janelle King, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Queen. Thank you for being with us as we have a couple of special returning guests on the line with us, but I'll say hello to you first on this beautiful Saturday morning. Thanks for being in the uh, coach seat with me, if you will. But thanks again for being on the show. You've been on every phone business before. But thank you, um, Janelle, for being with us this morning. How are you doing, Queen? Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Now, absolutely. Let's go ahead and get our guests introduced for this morning's Hot Button Show. Um, and I'll get each of you to give a little bit of your background. But we also, again, have returning guests uh Shelly Winters, as well as Robert Patillo. Thank both of those kings for being on with us this morning. Uh, but, Queen, we'll go ahead and start with you, if you will. Give people a little bit of your background, and we'll um, ask you, each each guest to give a little bit of that background before we get started with this morning's discussion. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you, Montoya, again, for having me. I'm excited about this topic in particular. Um, but, yes, I am Janelle King. I am a political strategist, a Republican strategist here in Georgia, and um, also a panelist on the Fox 5 Atlanta's, the Georgia gang. Um, and I, I just love having these topics. I care a lot about my community. And I'm just one who believes that the way to growth and the path to greatness is to hit things head on and have tough discussions. So I'm looking forward to today's discussion, especially with the two guests that we have. All right. Thanks a lot. Robert, we'll go ahead and let you say hello to the truth seekers out there listening, if you will. King, give a little bit of your background, and thanks again for being with us as well. No problem. This is Robert Patillo. I uh, host a show on News and Talk 1380 WAOK in Atlanta. I also do other stuff, so wonderful to be part of the conversation. Now, thanks for being with us, King. And Shelly, you are 
no stranger to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, King, if you will. Say hello to the truth seekers as well and give a little bit of your background as we get started with this morning's discussion question. Um, Shelly Winter, um, uh, I host a show with Milani Kai every Saturday and Sunday night at 9 p.m. on WSB 95.5 FM um, radio. And uh, we're on tonight at 9 p.m. Check us out. And uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, sounds good. Uh, thank you again, all of you, for being with us. This morning's discussion question, in America, do blacks play the victim? Again, this morning's discussion question, in America, do blacks play the victim? Uh, right before we start, I always ask a, just a real brief thought of, you know, what was your first thought when you heard this morning's discussion question? But before we do it, because I anticipate um, this conversation might get a little explosive, I wanted to share uh, something that I often share with, at the live experience anytime we're getting involved in a, a, a hard conversation. As I always tell people, Mental Dialogue Community Club, we are the best in the world at having hard conversations. And one of the ways I open up those conversations uh, at Urban Grind, Black-owned coffee shop here in Atlanta when we're doing it live, I open up sometimes with a pledge, a Mental Dialogue pledge. Uh, I wanted to open this morning show with this quick pledge. Uh, before we get started in this conversation and, and challenge each of you um, on the panel as well as those listening to to adhere to this pledge and understand the truth and why we are really doing these type of hard discussions. And the pledge is simply this. The truth is the differences between us are trivial and magnified only by the things we don't know about each other. I bow to listen to you because consideration of your ideals will lead me to a better understanding and seeking of the irrefutable human bond forever present. Together, our aim and destiny is to end fear initiated by ignorance. Once we reach the shores of conquest, we must burn our ships. So that is an opening pledge. I challenge anybody out there listening. We practice the art of consideration. So the idea is to be challenged with ideas that are different than our own and actually listen to those ideas versus turning off. I would challenge anybody if it's your first time listening. Today will be one of those shows where half half the time you're listening, you probably won't like what you're hearing. And my this is my guesstimation for how this show might go. Uh, but instead of turning off like we often do with uh, the news or social media, I ask that you sit through it and and, and burst sift through your disagreement and try to hear uh, understanding. And again, I challenge each of you on this panel this morning to uh, get to do that as well. Uh, Ned, we'll start with you. Uh, we're going to go to a break in a few minutes here. So the initial question typically for the show is a very brief one, not a long drawn out answer. Um, you actually chose this morning's discussion. So I might give you a little extra minute with it. Um, but if you will, each of you, I just want you to give your initial Quick thought to this is the question that we're tackling this morning. So not to drown out everything you think about it, just what did you initially think when you realized this was the discussion this morning? Janelle, again, as our as our lady will let you start off this morning's discussion. Go ahead, Queen. Okay, awesome. So when I um, saw this as a potential topic, and the reason why I thought it was something good to talk about is because I think we're coming to a, a place where we're starting to see an overlap in mindset as it relates to the victim mentality versus the victor mentality. And I personally believe that as black people, we do have a victim mentality that we allow to get in our way in a lot of ways. And my perspective on it is not a perspective in which I think that we should argue um, 
whether or not where where this mentality came from or what is the external forces that are contributing to it, I think we need to argue how is this mentality affecting our daily lives and our ability to actually fulfill our purpose in this world. Because I think that a lot of times when we are um, focusing on the past and the things that we are, are, are contributing to this mindset, that we are losing sight of what is important today and our current pain that we're dealing with today that is not a direct impact of yesterday. So um, I, I tend to, you know, kind of stand on that soapbox, um, if I will, today as it relates to this topic. Um, and because I want to see our community win, I want to see us take our lives into our own hands and take it, take back our lives, so to speak, because there was a time when we were thriving as a community along with other communities. And I think that if we can uh, tackle the, our mental stability or our instability, then we will see growth in so many other areas. So I most certainly am taking the stance that as a community, we have subscribed to the whole uh, victim mentality, and I want to see us be more victors. All right. Thank you for that, Queen. And again, Robert and Shelly, I'll start with you, Robert. Again, she was afforded more time because as her, my special guest co-host, I, I gave her opportunity to pick what show we might do, and so she gets more time. All I'm asking for each of you, we've got about 30 seconds before we go to our first initial break, is just your initial thought, nothing drawn out. When you first heard this was the question, what was the initial thought, Robert, for you? Well, for me, I, I think the, the issue is, is not about the victim mentality. We have to address the people who are victimizing us, that you can't talk about a mentality while you still have redlining, while you still have violations of civil rights laws, while you still have police brutality, while you still have an economic system uh, tilted against us. Sounds good. Shelly, um, your first initial thought before we go to the initial break. Just a quick thought, nothing drawn out. Yes, victim Victimhood mentality stunts all growth in any human being. All right, sounds good. All right, for everybody out there listening, again, I challenge each of you to order consideration today. We're going to go to a quick break and get started hot and hot and heavy with this morning's discussion. In America, do blacks play the victim? We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Big Sis Media Group is a full-service design agency with tools available to help clients communicate with audiences through visual and digital media. So what exactly does that mean? You need graphic design? Call Big Sis Media. You need web design? Call Big Sis Media. You need audio or video production? Call Big Sis Media. You need a branded strategy for your business? Call Big Sis Media. Damn, they do everything, don't they? Nope, even better. They're professionals. Whatever service you need, they do a consultation, send over a contract with a deadline, and meet that deadline. A true one-stop shop for all your digital and media needs, all at an affordable price. What's their website and phone number? BigSysMediaGroup.com, 404-465-4348. Again, that's BigSysMediaGroup.com. Com. Call them at 404-465-4348. Do you all believe as a race, I'm not talking about you specifically, but do you believe as a race, African Americans, we play the victims? Hey, man. 
Um, no. I'm just gonna leave that as a one word answer. I'm not even gonna do, jump in deeper than that. No. Yeah, I'm I'm on the side of absolutely not. And I will and I will I will leave it there until somebody disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then I'll jump back in. And now I'm gonna step yeah, back. Well, you know, I mean I'm gonna be real, I'm gonna say yes. Let's go. <laughs> I'm gonna be real. I'm 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 gonna say I'm gonna say yes. I, um, Give me an example. See, it's a loaded question just because I can't. I'm not gonna sit here and say every single African American side either on the yes side or on the no side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say yes to mainly spark conversation, but also uh, I know you're not talking. You said not personal experiences, but that's all I got to go on. I will say, uh, you know, just based on where I am in life, I've gotten a lot of pressure from African-Americans feeling like, you know, I've gotten to where I am because of white people or I, I, you can't speak, you you didn't grow up like I did. Like I I came from the hood, you know, I didn't have the same opportunities and privileges that other people had. And though, you know, I I believe that to be true. I, in today's America, I really do feel like anybody has the opportunity to rise to the occasion. Now, is it easier for certain people over others? Yeah, I mean, let's be real, yes. Like, that's 100% true. But, you know, to, to I, I just keep hearing, like, systemic oppression, this, that, and the third. Like, yeah, we get it, I know. Like, we all know. Like, we all know. But the opportunities are still there. Will you? Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Janelle King and our guest Robert Patillo and Shelly Winters. This morning's discussion question, in America, do you play the victim? That is our discussion question this morning as you hear another group. I'm not familiar with particularly which group it was. I wish I could give them credit, uh, but I found their discussion. I wanted to use some of what they were saying to bring to our discussion uh, Janelle, you definitely went into your personal take um, previous, you know, to the break. I guess what I'll ask each of you uh, to give me your concept of, and I, and I want to focus on the word play the victim. So um, you've kind of already stated your stance that we do, you think that we do versus we don't, you know, whether we do or not. But I'm actually wanting maybe your concept of what you consider playing the victim Asking that word play in a sense versus being one. I think there is a difference, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I, so I would like, if, if you think there is one, give me a, your idea of playing the victim, if you will. And I, I will have each of you kind of give your version of what playing the victim means uh, for you. Go ahead, Janelle. Yeah, absolutely. So I do think there is a difference as well. Um, in my opinion, you know, we, there was a time when we were victims to things, and I would say even today there are there are time moments where we can say that we have been victims to certain things. But I say playing the victim is when we refuse to jump out and take risks and try things and actually, like, it, it's when I have conversations with people about business and they and they telling me reasons why they can't do something before they even try to do it. It's um it's when I, I have discussions about, you know, healthcare in our community and instead of us talking about the things that can be fixed and and, and the things that can't that they can take responsibility for, like eating healthy and exercising, we start talking about 
healthcare disparities and all these other big issues that's going to take heavy lifting to move. So it's just it's it's just focusing on um on, on reasons why you're unable to accomplish something rather than putting forth the effort. And when you run into those roadblocks, realizing that you have within you to overcome them, that's when I feel that I think that people are playing the victim. Sounds good. Robert, Will, give me your concept of playing the victim versus being a victim, if you would. Robert Imanucci? Oh, sorry, sorry, broke up for uh, for a second. Yeah, I, I think there's a difference between playing the victim and recognizing what is actually going on around you, what the stumbling blocks are in society. So let's take the um, the healthcare example. Yes, people have a personal responsibility to take care of their own health, but there's also nothing wrong with at the same time with saying that, realizing that from the north side of Atlanta, you've got Emory, Midtown Medical, Piedmont, and uh, Wellstar, and all these other hospitals. And then once you get to the black side of town, you basically got Grady uh, and Willie Watson Funeral Home. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, looking at that and saying, well, we need more hospitals where we are, in addition to recognizing the personal side of it. So I think when people give this connotation of, quote, unquote, playing the victim, uh, we don't accuse other communities of that. Uh, you know, with the uh, let's say when the LGBTQIAPK plus community uh, was fighting for the marriage equality, no one said they were playing the victim. What they were doing was uh, identifying an issue in their community, uh, activating and mobilizing politically and economically, and fighting to make sure those things change. So uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with us as a community saying these are the problems that we have, these are the things that need to get fixed, and then mobilizing to fix them. Fair enough. Shelly, um, your thoughts on, again, playing the victim versus being the victim, your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I think we got to um, go back to your original question. Your, your original question says, you know, um, do blacks suffer from systemic oppression or do they play the victim card? And does this hurt their, uh, uh, I, th- I forgot the word you used, but this is a, basically what you're saying, hurt progress. So let's, let's, that's your question that you're posing to your radio audience. So um, I think that to... The answer is, I think, the second part. Do play, does playing the victim stunt your progress in America? Yes, there is systemic racism. Yes, these things exist. Um, but I think when you talk about play, uh, victimhood or playing the victim, as, as you put it in your question, you've got to look at the self as victim. We're, we're not talking about a group of people can't do something all together when there's some 30 you know, a, a little over 40, uh, close to 40 million of us in this country. So you're not saying that black people play the victim. So that's to, to Robert's point. What we're looking at is, to Janelle's point, when you have self as victim, not self as someone who's a victor. And so that's the question that we're answering today. And I think, yes, it does stunt our growth when you see yourself as a victim first and then uh, possibly black second. And I think that stems from, I'm looking at the the social media uh, coverage of just social media, not the news, not anything, just social media of the rally in Brunswick today and people are caravanning down from Atlanta to Brunswick. And as I read people that are going down there, they're all talking like they're getting on a bus, a Greyhound bus 
in New Haven, Connecticut in 1964 or 65 headed to Mississippi. Um, you know, and that's the conversation. It, it's self as victim, not self as a human being who's able to control the things in their life that they can control to make themselves better. So when you see yourself as a victim, you stunt all the opportunities that come along in order to grow, not only financially, but socially, you know, in every single way and culturally. So if you have a large number of people who see themselves first as victims and secondly as human beings capable of rising above any kind of uh, impediments, I think that's where you stunt the growth of the African-American community. There's no question that health care a problem in this country, but we've been talking about health care as a problem in this country for everybody for the last, since Bill Clinton was, there's been a conversation in this country. Now, if you want to say it's worse for black people, then that's another conversation to have, but there is a conversation to have that says there are things with regarding my health that I and I alone control. Like, I smoke cigarettes. I don't have to smoke cigarettes. Whether there's a hospital around a corner from me or 50 miles away, the fact that I smoke cigarettes put me in a definite health disparity than everybody else. So that's on me. That's not on racism. That's not on health, you know, that's not on whatever systemic racism is out there. That's on me every time I go go buy a pack of cigarettes. And so when you see yourself as self, as victim first, you hinder yourself from growth. And every single self-help guru, every single pastor, every single leader that talks to a group of people to make their lives better will tell you that first, that when you make yourself the victim of anything, you have lost the race. For anybody out there listening that wants to get in on this discussion, the the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646 787-1691. When you're on the line, you will have to press one to let us know you want to speak. Um, Rob, I think I'll let you um, respond to that. Let me me say this real quickly to you, Shelly, definitely being respectful of your thoughts. So um, let's say it's it's not a smoker, but when I heard Robert point out, for example, the number of facilities that are in, for example, here in North North Atlanta where we're all residing in Atlanta, so the number of facilities – in a sense, how might that play out versus access for people with not the, the the same number of facilities? So that has nothing to necessarily do with whether you smoke or not, but that access ends up being a problem. What is, what's, what's your if thought you on that it, versus that My thought course? on it is this, McCoy. It's a very simple thought. It doesn't matter how many hospitals you have in a neighborhood. If you're not taking care of yourself, you're going to go to a hospital. So in order to stop yourself from going to any number of hospitals, whether they're around the corner from you or 50 miles away, if you're taking care of yourself, eating healthy, exercising, and doing everything capable of good health practices, you won't need the hospital until you're 80, 90 years old. And at that point, you need a hospital. Hospice. So the point I'm trying to make is you can make all the, the uh, uh, rightful examples of systemic oppression and racism and all of these things, we can talk about all of that. But if you're talking about a hospital in a neighborhood, if you're eating and doing the right thing healthy, uh, living a healthy lifestyle, you nine times out of ten don't need that hospital. So it's no purpose for that hospital. So the argument becomes what comes first, a whole bunch of hospitals in our neighborhood because we're living unhealthy lifestyles, or let's live a healthy lifestyle so we don't need a whole bunch of hospitals in our neighborhood. 
Robert? I'm I'm glad that Shelley lives in a neighborhood where nobody gets hit by buses, gets electrocuted, uh, gets shot or stabbed, and that the only way that people get sick or die is from natural causes and through uh, uh, and not there, there's no cancer in Shelley's neighborhood. There's no uh, you know just genetic uh, abnormalities. Everyone, uh, all the people have to do in Shelley's neighborhood is eat kale, and they'll never go to the hospital. But for the remainder of us, I think that's very important that we have to look at the systemic issues. Of course, there is a personal aspect to everything, but it's very uh, – even, uh, let's say, on this point of, well, you need to eat healthy and exercise more. Okay, much of mean people in the black community live in food deserts where the only place where, uh, within walking distance to get uh, get any food are either fast food restaurants or uh, corner stores or bodegas, something along those lines. So it's more difficult for those people to uh, to be drinking Arden's Garden School green smoothies and wheatgrass every day than it is for somebody who has those things um, near them. The part of that goes towards city planning. Part of that goes towards zoning. It goes towards the access to public um, transportation. It goes towards the availability of sidewalks. It goes towards uh, law enforcement and community that makes it where people feel safe to walk around. So there are systemic issues that lead to these things. So it's easy to stand in your ivory tower and say, you need to do better, but you have to look at why are those people on the ground not able to do so. You fix those issues issues, and I guarantee the personal responsibility will pick up right along with it. Yeah, can I say something, Montoya, um, yeah, to Robert? So, so, so everything you're saying, I understand where you're coming from. However, to say that, you know, you're sitting in your ivory tower to tell people that they can walk outside their own home and go jogging up the street, I mean, that's, to me, I feel like that's just an extreme perspective. Um, secondly, it's survival of the fittest out here, right? This is this is the way the world works. It's not just America. It's the entire world. You have to decide, am I going to be a part of the winning group or am I a part of the losing group? And the losing group are the groups of people who already who come up with the mentality of why they can't do something before they actually try. And I think that's the, the moral of the story is that, Yes, okay, you may not have an art and garden, but what's stopping you from running to your grocery store or even a, or, or planting your own vegetables? What's stopping you from getting your own stuff and creating your own smoothies? What's stopping you from walking outside your front door or even in your backyard and doing a few push-ups? There are still things you can do. It may be on a different scale, but there's still things that you can do. And we're talking about it from the perspective of health, but I talk to people all the time who have all these great ideas. And when I say great ideas, they are great ideas, but I can't even push them enough to, to put a business plan on the table. So if you can, if you can get on social media and write diatribes of why you're being impacted on a negative basis every single day, then you can open up that same computer, open up a Word document, and, and, or Google a template on how to create a business plan. So, there, yes, it's, we, again, we can't make so many excuses for bad behavior to the point where we make it justifiable to not succeed. And that is where I think the problem lies. But to the point Janelle, let me say this, y'all. Let me say this. So, I, um, so I'll say, like, when I listen to that, I don't understand how we're considering. So, for example, you know, I like to bring some numbers to the table. So um, obviously we're waiting for the, the, the new census. So ten, a decade ago, about 8% of our community lived in a, a, a basically a track where there was a grocery store, about 30, 30% for the rest of America, about 8% for our, our community. So 
So as I hear you say, come up with these great ideas, and plenty of people do come up with these great ideas, um, I don't understand how it's an excuse that you have to overcome the 8% of us live in a healthy food trap versus 30% of the, like, that's not an excuse. Like, yes, we can come up with the ideas, but it's not an excuse when that is a reality to, to say the outcome is not related to the environment. That's not an excuse. That's just the, the, the environment itself is, would be my thought today. I think, Shelly, you were about to say something, so I'll let you jump yeah, in on that, Shelly. Um, Brother Pianchi, we got you on the line. We'll get you after the break. Um, Brother Pianchi, go ahead, Shelly. I'm sorry. I, I, I just want to say, let's not go down a, a, a black hole here. No pun intended. Let's stick with the question that you asked. Now, we can, you can do a whole show on the systemic, uh, the systemic problems that exist in this country vis-a-vis black people, or you can talk about what Janelle just talked about, whether or not victimhood mentality, self as victim, as I say, is that hindering growth in the African-American community. Let's stay on that topic. Let's not get off into a, a red herring of all the problems that exist vis-a-vis the black community. And to Robert's point about being hit by a car, the reason why I was talking about health disparities is because that's, in, that's the position that you took when you said about hospitals in the black community. We weren't talking about being hit by a car. We weren't talking about cancer. We were talking about health disparities as it exists with this particular conversation. So if you can control, I can't control being hit by a car. I can't control those things. But I can control whether or not I exercise and eat healthy. I can control that. I can control whether I feed my kids dollar menus or I feed my kids something healthy. And that's well within the purview of, 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 of self-responsibility. So we're not talking about being hit by a car or other things. We're talking about what we can control, which is part of victimhood mentality, or as Janelle so eloquently put it, victor mentality. All right, thank you for that. We are up against the break. Uh, I don't know if it might be you, Shelly. One of you may have the the plan in the background. I think I hear it a little bit, so I don't know if one of you have it in the background, but it's getting a little feedback just sharing it with y'all if y'all can consider that. I may be wrong, but I think I hear it in the background for someone. All right, we're going to go to this break. This break is actually a cut that I want each of you to listen to. Here's the challenge to each of you as guests on this show for this particular cut. Um, it's not an official commercial break, but I really want you to listen. My challenge to you is in you, again, this is that other group that I admit that we heard on the last break. In listening to them discuss it, I'm challenging each of you in hearing a viewpoint that may be different than what you believe. I would ask for you to pick out while that's different than what I think, here's what I understand about it. I'm challenging you to listen to the other side, all three of you, and tell me something about what you heard and what you understand about it, if, if that makes sense. That's just a challenge I have for you listening or anybody out there listening. But we will get to you after these responses. Listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. We're talking about a 400-plus year head start for a particular uh, set of people. You're talking about systematic oppression. That's what I meant by a post-traumatic state is we're, tr- we're, we're at this stage in 2020. We're trained to say, yeah, it's unequal, but, and that's, that's just not okay to me. Um, I, I don't think we should ever get to the place where we just accept inequality. Correct. Uh, it, it, I, I'm, not, I'm not encouraging stagnation, so I agree with you. I'm not encouraging throwing in the towel like, yo, it's not fair. That's not what I'm saying at all. But while striving to be your best self, you should never accept inequality. And I think that's what yeah, we're okay. being trained to kind of just be like, yo, this is just the way it is, and, and to no longer call it out. 
And I, I'm not even saying we got to go picket, protest. I, I'm not saying none of that. But at least in conversations like this, if we're not going to set a standard, no standard is going to be set. No, yeah. no st- nobody else is going to stand it. Nobody else is going to set it. You're talking about, uh, I mean, statistically, like factually speaking, uh, at the at the onset of of this of the of the of the twentieth century, you're talking about land on, owners only giving land to specific races. That's generational wealth. Yeah. You're talking about bank loans only be, being given right, to right. specific races. How can you? That, come that's up? generational wealth. Right. So we we can't. It, it, it's not even like this is ancient history. That, but he that's didn't what, say. That's what blows my mind. This is recent history. But he didn't say that that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. What he said was, do we play the victim? Mm-hmm. And I think there is, that is, that's very different. You're aware of the things that have happened, but are you victimized as a result of it? So, do you say, this is what I can do with what I have been allotted or, or whatever my place in life is? Are we playing the victim is the question. Well, I, yes, think we, I think we have that. to define play the victim. Okay. So I think we are victims. Because okay. anybody can be a victim. I think we are. I think we are factually a victim. So all races so can what, be victims. What do we? What do we call in playing the victim? What so do we what define do you, that? What, what do you see that as then? What, what, what do I see what as? Playing the victim, like when when you hear that, like what does what does that trigger for play, you? Play the victim means I'm acting like something is being done to me that's not being done. Or to always me. complaining. That's what I hear. Always complaining about our history. That's what I hear when I hear play the victim. Like you're act, you're, you're you're taking the position that something being done to you and nothing's being done to you. That's somebody playing a victim to me. This is what and I hear. And that's not the case to me. This you know is what, what I, mean? I hear. Yeah. Get over slavery. Stop talking about it. We're all equal now. You should be ahead. Where you should be further than where you're at. Stop talking about the old thing, old days. I'm gonna stop right there. But yeah, that's what so I. That's, that's what it. That's what it triggers in my head. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Janelle King. This morning's discussion question. In America, do blacks play the victim? Our special guests are Robert Patillo and Shelly Winters. Janelle, I'm going to start with you. Again, remember, the challenge is not simply what do you agree with in the cut. That's easy to do. Uh, I'm challenging you. Again, this is Mental Dialogue. So the challenge is, um, in listening to that cut, um, in a viewpoint that may have differed from yours, was there anything that you felt like, okay, I do understand that part of it, if you will. Can you can you give me a shot at that, if you will, Queen? Go ahead. Yeah, real quick. So I do understand that we all have different starting points. I do understand that people have, you know, they come from different various backgrounds, and they have, like I said, different starting points. But having said that, having a different starting point doesn't mean that you have fewer challenges than others. It's just, it, that's just simply not true. What it means is that, and a, a good example of that is that if you talk to any business, Hold on, quick, no matter I'm sorry to interrupt you. I misunderstood what you said. I want to make sure I'm understanding you. You said it doesn't mean what? I, I missed it, so I want to make sure I hear you. Okay. Um, in yeah, no, I was just saying that I, I, what I agree with is that everybody, that, that, that people do have different starting points. I do agree with that. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean that just because you have different starting points that you have fewer challenges either because everybody's challenges are different. If you talk to any business owner, then you will know that whether they had $50,000, a million dollars to start their business or zero dollars, there's still a certain, once you get to a certain point in business, once you, you know, there's still certain challenges that are synonymous every single business owner that they know they're going to have to deal with regardless of all of that because maintaining is a whole nother process. 
And if you think about third world countries and, and ask other black people that are in other third world countries, if I may, they also have different starting points, and their starting points are typically way further than ours. So is it safe for us to assume that because they're starting off behind where most of our black people today in America are starting, that they have no chance at success because of that? No. Robert, your thoughts? Again, if you will, pick something out that's maybe a little different than what you think and tell me what you understand about it. Well, I I do agree with uh, what Janelle and Shelley are saying about controlling what you can control that you understand the position that you're in and uh, you have a duty to maximize that. You can't wait for the entire system to change before you decide to change your, your own state, uh, status in it. Uh, so I, I do agree with that, that we, we can't just be crippled waiting for uh, Moses to come say, let my people go, or for Pharaoh to uh, uh, let us out of bondage. We, we have to be ready to exist within the system that we're existing in. Even, there, even during the Middle Passage, we found a way to exist. On the plantation, we found a way to exist. But I think the, uh, the point that uh, where we uh, have some disagreement is, well, what exactly is the duty of us once we are able to, quote, unquote, break free of that, um, to make sure that we are changing that system in order to make it um, less difficult for the people coming behind us um, to be able to prosper, to be able to um, not just uh, survive but thrive within it. Um, you, you know, one of the weird experiences I had in law school since I went to Clark Atlanta for undergrad around all black folks, most of us were kind of like in the same boat. A lot of first-generation college students, um, some people had, you know, more wealthy backgrounds. Some people were, um, you know, coming up for the first time like me. But we were all kind of on that same footing, so it felt like it was a fair fight in class. When I got to law school, I realized that one of the girls in my class was married to the dean of the law school. Uh, somebody else, their parents were uh, provost of the school, and then me and my little black study group got together to figure out, uh, try to learn torts and contracts, and then we figured out that the white study group next to us had a copy of the test, um, and they were just literally copying and pasting answers, and they all ended up with 4.0 GPAs uh, on law review and going to the big firms making you know, $150,000, $200,000 coming directly out of school. So it, it's not as if we were playing the victim by being that group of black folks trying to get along. It's that the system was literally tilted against you, especially when your classes are graded on a curve. When somebody literally has a copy of the test and you don't have a copy of that and you don't have access to that because of your race, you can't simply say you're playing a victim. You just simply are on taking on a responsibility to make sure that the next generation, that's people coming up behind you, don't have to go through that. Can I say something, yeah, Montoya? Um, same thing for you. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I was gonna say same thing for you. If you could pick out something, same, you know, same concept for you. If you could answer from that perspective. Well, well, Go ahead. I, I mean, I, I agree with the brother that talked about 400 years, all that stuff. Um, and 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 that's fine. And to, but I just want to address Robert's point because when you talked about the the study class that had the answers to the test. Did the whole class of white students have the answer to the test and not the black students? Or, or did, and this is a real question, or did a specific group of kids with inside connections have, a, have, have answers to the test? Because that then becomes all of you were victims, not because you're a black, but because another group of people who were white had answers to the questions. But the rest of the class, black and white, who didn't have the answers to the questions were truly victims. 
So the point becomes, you can see it as we as black people didn't have answers to the test because we're black and we're victims, or you can see it in a greater whole as law students at this law school were disadvantaged, all of us, white, white, black, Hispanic, who did not have the answers to the test. And so, if, if, so, the, so to Montoya's original question, using Robert's excellent example, the question becomes, if you see yourself as victim as self because of color and race, then you're still, you, can still, you can still stunt your growth because the bigger issue in Robert's example, as I heard it, could be wrong, is that nobody in that class that did not, that did not have insider connections had answers to the test previous to the test. So there's a bunch of people in that class who weren't black who were disadvantaged. Robert, I'll let you respond. Then we're going to go to the caller. Go ahead, real. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Robert. Well, it, it, I think the issue is that, uh, and Shelly makes, uh, makes a point there, but it's just the point that anybody who was black was excluded, as in there was nobody who was black that had access to that, whereas some white people who were advantaged did. So your being black was a 100% barrier to you being in that club. There was literally absolutely nobody black who had access to that. So I think you ha- we have to either work out a network, and I, and I understand the non-victimhood aspect of it. Well, look, we have people who have graduated, people who have seen that. How do we go back to those black law students and say, look, here's the test that we took just to make sure you have that leg up? Because as Janelle said, it's a dog-eat-dog world out here, and we have to give our people the same advantage that other people are giving their folks instead of hoping that the system just changes for us. No, absolutely. Let me go to the caller. One thing I'll say, I think both of you make excellent points. That was a great question, Shelly. Um, one thing I'll even say, uh, I actually see, like you said, that particular group victimize everyone. However, one thing that I would say in agreement with Robert is this. He, it never stopped him from striving to be the best lawyer that he could be. And I think sometimes even in that that viewpoint, and I do agree, Shelley, that that viewpoint of seeing it because I'm black may be a victim perspective. I don't disagree with that perspective, but if it, in my opinion, if it doesn't change his efforts, then it doesn't hold him back. This is just a thought. I'll go to the caller. Uh, Brother Pianchi out of St. Louis. Go ahead, King. What you got for us? Yeah, I don't have too much time, but I really enjoyed this this discussion. But, you know, on the last point, because I've got 13 points here I could discuss on, but I can give you examples of where blacks had the advantage on having the answers to the test. I can give you the advantage to many instances where we think that only they have the opportunity and we don't. And, you know, you mentioned some other things coming down the line about these health disparities. That was an article that was written in NPR about uh, April the 16th, I guess it was, saying that blacks make up 84 percent of the deaths from the COVID virus in St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri had a population of over 157,000 uh, black people. You had 17 deaths from COVID and only 14 of them were black. So that there is designed to inflame and make people think, oh, we are the victims again. Red line. The red line is very useful. It tells you where not to send your kids to school, where not to buy houses, where not to uh, even drive your car because of the insurance rate. And this thing about the police brutality, uh, in Ferguson, the, the blacks who were the majority population in Ferguson, I know very well. Could have changed the could have changed the makeup of the police department anytime they got ready to with due process, but they chose to leave it the way it was. Why is that? Well, early on, decades ago, blacks left 
North St. Louis, where it was crime ridden, and moved into the area, and they bought homes, and they wanted to have tough pro- police, and so they could protect their interests. So you know, you could go on and on with this. Yes, they are victims. You got individuals in some segmented pockets of black <clears throat> that use that excuse. And they ran it into the ground. Young people nowadays is not co- relating to that. They're not connecting with it. And I'm a grandfather. I just came back from over the mountaintop. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the grandfather who don't came back from over on the mountaintop, that ain't gonna get you nowhere, no more. Thank you very much. No, thank you, brother Fiaka. We all forget to break. Um, one thing, one thing I'll say to that is, um, I think you're actually correcting that there are segments. I think the segments, in my opinion, are, are, are a much smaller group that 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 jumps us into this conversation uh, in a manner that I don't think is necessary. Because I think I think most people are like Robert, who strive regardless of the circumstances, and we have to. And you know, when I know when I go into the schools, I. I I actually sound just like you do, uh, Shelly, when I talk to these students, uh, you know, every day in trying to help out, you know, again, those school, you know, those students who may be, regardless of whether you think it's a factor or not, uh, you know, that they now have breakfast at, at school because that was, used to be an issue. Um, I'm glad that breakfast came to schools because uh, that was, you know, somewhat of a systemic issue in reference to education. Um, just a thought that I'll throw out there. We are up against the break. I uh, just want to highlight Tuesday night, our new podcast, the Money Motivation Podcast, as you listen to the CEO, Mark Ranger, tell us why, and I'm fortunate that they've started this podcast on the Central Dialogue platform. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. The Money Motivation brand currently exists. It's a, it's a success and lifestyle clothing brand uh, primarily, and it was created because we saw the demand. It was created in 2017. And we saw the demand for uh, the self-made modern entrepreneur, business leader, high achiever. Um, There was a gap in a prominent streetwear brand that really embodied their journey. So I wanted to take that concept and create a clothing brand that could embody that with a mission that's very simple, which was to inspire a life of excellence and freedom, uh, to promote independent thinking, hard work, taking risks, Uh, having a relentless commitment to what you do and a uh, never-giving-up type attitude. Those are all hallmarks of of the brand. And the product line consists of premium T-shirts, outerwear, headwear, accessories, canvas prints, and the like. But there's also a media aspect to this, which dovetails into this podcast actually being created, where I really want to help people be successful in business and build businesses and wealth and be able to enjoy it while they're here as well as build it for future generations. But it's about being able to live a life of autonomy. And that's been a big part of my motivation to be uh, in the financial industry and also have a brand that can represent that. So the hope is this can influence people to think differently. Some black people I meet feel like they have to be the biggest victim. Like we have to, we have to measure our victimhood to see who's the biggest victim to see who had it worse. It's like a race to the bottom, you know? Like we're the ones the most we're we're the most oppressed. We had it worse. We deserve these reparations. We deserve these new things and um because of what happened to our ancestors in the past. And it's like why why is it so hard to see past our skin color sometimes? Why is it so hard to see past our differences sometimes? And the thing is 
some people I meet, some black people I meet, feel like we should hold the people today, the the white people today in America, accountable for the, what they what their ancestors have been in the past. And it's like, to me, that's not we shouldn't do that, because they aren't the ones who've done the crimes. They aren't the ones who 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 decided to enslave another human being, and that's just wrong to me, man. And sometimes I just don't understand the the way some people think. Why would you want to demonize your European ancestry when your African ancestry did the same thing? When your African ancestry was a part of it? Why would you want to be the worst victim out there? To me, my pride doesn't allow me to do that, you know? I, I can't... Like, yes, I'm black. Yes, I was born in America. Yes, there may be some things that are more difficult for me to achieve because of where I am socially, racially, economically. But... I don't let that I don't let that get me down, you know? Like this is the this is the hand I was given. I didn't choose these I didn't choose this hand. I didn't choose my parents. I didn't choose where I was born. I didn't choose any of this stuff, man. But this is the this is the cards I was dealt. And I, I gotta make the best of it. And I'm not gonna sit here and, and mope and complain that we're the biggest victim or we're the biggest this or we had it worse than every other person on planet or Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Janelle King, our special guest are Shelly Winters and Robert Patillo as we hear another cut. Again, this is the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I want to challenge not only the guest as well as those listening. Uh, the cut is from a, a young African-American. That was his honest perspective. And what I would like to offer, again, our goal is the art of consideration like hearing thoughts that are different than what we may believe and considering um, the perspective. And so when I listened to that young man and, and I saw the video, so again, I know that he's a young man, um, I'll say that based on his perspective in 2020, this is a conclusion that, that he came to. And I would say for anybody out there listening, his conclusion based on his life, is it, it can be a valid one, even if, as may myself, as I feel that there are some reference points in history that he's not familiar with, so I would say, okay, that, that's why he's able to come to that conclusion. But if I concede that he's not familiar with that part of history, then his conclusion, therefore, can make sense to me, although I disagree with it. I just wanted to kind of throw out that thought process just to say this is what we're attempting to do with this conversation. And I think this this cut allows us to get into the mentality part of it. Again, I keep big up in Robert, and I'll let you start, Robert. I keep bigging up that I think as Robert thinks in the sense that I've never seen even a circle of my friends that tried any different or less harder due to acknowledging systemic issues. I don't know those friends. I may, I'm not saying they don't exist, but I don't know them. Any thoughts, Robert, on the cut, what I'm saying? Again, I'm just challenging even y'all as guests to open up consideration versus just jumping on whether we agree or disagree with this young man. That's boring. Any show can do that. Go ahead, Robert. Well, I think the issue that I have with what the young man was saying was if you just heard the level of depression and his voice, the um, 
almost a level of acceptance of, well, yeah, things are bad for me. Things are bad for my people, but there's nothing that I can really do about it. So uh, why try to change any of it? Just accept what it is. No, that's like a plantation mentality. I can't get down with that. I, I think that if you realize that things are bad, that you realize things are unequal, that you are being disadvantaged simply because your heritage, because of the color of your skin, because of the um, lineage of disenfranchisement uh, that goes along with it, then you have a duty to address that, to fight back against and to make sure that the next generation coming along doesn't have that same fight to go through. This idea of this uh, kind of laying back and moping around, um, this woe is me attitude that it sounded like he had, I think that's the real victim mentality. Just accepting, accepting being an, accepting being a victim is part. Accepting that the system cannot change is part and parcel to the victim mentality. Uh, mentality. So I think you have a duty to change those things, and that by identifying them and talking about them, that's how you make those changes. And this idea that, uh, well, you know, we have this competition on. Uh, thinking we're the most oppressed, that's not true at all. If you look at the Jewish community, they get an entire country, the entire state of Israel, because of something that happened during the Roman diaspora, as if that, uh, because that something that happened 2,000 years ago to impact the social and economic condition of people today. So when we say, well, uh, we shouldn't get reparations because that was hundreds of years ago, that's the model that I point to. You have Native American reservations who are still um, who are still getting government financing because of the Trail of Tears. Things are generational in this country for a reason. The reason you have a last name is because that is your lineage that passes down to you. So we need to be fighting to change those systemic issues and not simply accepting them and saying, well, pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. Yeah, he's going to keep beating you, but you need to keep being beat and keep working your way through it. It doesn't make any sense to me. For anybody out there listening, if you're on the phone line, we have callers out there. You do have to press one to let us know we, you want to speak. Janelle, I'll let you go. Yeah, so I, I understood where he was coming from. And, and to, to Robert, I don't think what he was saying was that we're supposed to do, do nothing. I think what he was trying to say is that we can't, we got to get to a point where that's not our focal point where we are not putting so much energy into, you know, discussing how bad we've been oppressed or are being oppressed in some cases, but instead we focus on what we can do to move forward. I think it just goes back to what we've been saying the whole entire show, is that at the end of the day, you're only hurting yourself. Please understand that the oppressor, whoever that may be, in whatever construct we want to put it in, is not being impacted in any way negatively because you are feeling like you can't move forward. That's not that the whole the victim mentality yields absolutely nothing to not just personal progress, but to collective progress. And then if you want to go any further than that, no one even no one really cares if you really think about it. Because I don't see when I when I sit with people and you know that that are not that don't live in low income communities, the discussion is never how are we going to oppress the low income people, how are we going to move forward, or how are we going to you know what what can we do to to tear up their community? That's not the conversation at all. If anything, there's no conversation in some cases, which I do think to Robert's point that there needs to be a movement that happens, of course, when it comes to fixing the big things. However, that's what being involved in the political process. I love when we had the caller on that said that, you know, um, that, that talked about, you know, Ferguson. 
I mean, that is something we got to think about. Most of the areas where we are experiencing these disparities are ran by people who look like us. When you have failing schools and the school board members who represent those schools are black, then you have to ask the question of what am I not doing or what am I not seeing while I'm over here dealing in my emotions. So I think the caller was just saying that all of those things, yes, they may exist, but we don't need to make that the focal point. All right, we got another caller. Let me get to the caller. Area code 770-LAST-3885. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Hey, this is uh, Kimberly Hartfield in, in Marietta, Georgia. How y'all doing? Hey, how you doing, Queen? Yeah. What you got for us? Hey, Kimberly. Yeah, you're coming through clear. Go ahead, Queen. Okay. Well, uh, so many points that I that I that I want to have, but I just want I want to ask two questions um, and then just make a, uh, make a statement if I if I can. One just just to maybe we maybe get one question and one statement. We got about a few minutes before the top of the hour, so just give you a heads up. All right. Well, they kind of okay. My statement is first of all that um, we. <laughs> People who have people who've been victimized don't get together and accuse each other of quote unquote playing the victim. Like rape victims don't don't do that. They they get together and they talk about what happened and ways to fight back. Um, only people who have problems with people with victims who speak out and, and and fight back. The only people who have a problem with that are the perpetrators and people who sympathize with perpetrators. Um, that's my statement. My question, though, basically I, I can tie them both in together because with Janelle and um, Shelly, the idea of um, looking forward and, and if you look back, then you're not progressing, you're studying your growth. And, and I mean, Janelle, you said um, that the oppressors won't feel the pain, you know, but when we mobilize, they absolutely will. When we mobilize to vote them out um, because of policies and things like that that are causing the systemic um, disparities that you both acknowledge exist. But the question of how is it, how is it really a victor, quote, unquote, mentality if you're telling us you know, well, despite the fact that we have food deserts and all this and that, the systemic problems, um, just run to the grocery store, not to, you know, consider the fact that you got to run with grocery bags back to your house, or just grow your own food in your, in, your, in your backyard. That's accepting a substandard way of living, going back to what uh, Robert said about the plantation mentality. That's accepting a substandard way of living, um, while at the same time not saying anything about how unfair it is that other people have it better for no other reason other than certain people designed it that way. And so the question is, how is that really a victor mentality to plant your own garden and run to the grocery store and back? That to me sounds so like you're just focusing on let me let this, accepting let me, that let me, plantation let me answer before we go. I'm going to let um, Shelly respond to that question. I think it's a fair question, at least in my opinion. Um, I got about a minute to respond, Shelly, before we go to the top of the hour. The go ahead, Shelly. The question was simply. Well, yeah, she, yeah, the question was, she was talking about something that I said. I got it, y'all. I got it. I got a minute. Y'all got to work with me. Y'all got to work with me. The question was simply how is it a victor mentality to suggest that you go ahead and run to the, for example, run to the grocery store, even though. Uh, you don't have the same access as others. So how is it a victim mentality to say, despite these differences, because, because we're, we're going to be fine? Because, 
Because quite honestly, in less than a minute, the world is not equal. You have opportunities here that millions of people don't even have opportunities to. I mean, for a simple fact, millions of people in this world don't have access to running water. You do. So the fact of the matter is the difference between people who succeed and people who fail are the people who sit and wallow in the fact that they can't get to a grocery store. The people who succeed work hard to get to a grocery store. They also do something else very fundamental. They make sure they don't stay in a neighborhood where there's no grocery stores. So they're working hard. They have to live there for three years, but they're working hard to move out of that neighborhood to get closer to a grocery store is where the success comes. So you may not have access to grocery stores, but you will have Um, access to grocery stores. Shelly, I have to jump in. I want to make let Robert go because Robert has to go. So, Robert, thank you for being on. If you will, any information you want to get out before we go to break, um, please share that with those that are listening or how they can um, listen to your show as well. Go ahead, King. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, yeah, real quick, tune in Sundays, 1 to 4, News to Talk, 1380. Follow me on social media at Robert Uh Thanks a lot. We all against the hour. It is the top of the hour. We always play uh, a brand-new song for our sponsor, Square Business Entertainment. This is Joe Bleezes All Day Long, and then we'll come back with a cut for Malcolm X, definitely want to get your thoughts on this, Shelly, before we let you go. I know you can't be with us the entire show as well. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. All day long. All I see is everybody perfect when I'm scrolling through my phone. Like all they want It's just a bunch of bragging people Acting like they get it But they don't It's true What am I supposed to do? I feel like I'm overdue Worked a couple lifetimes I feel like I'm overdue Feel like I got more to do I know I ain't done yet Handle what you supposed to do Gotta teach my son It's a blessing in the sunrise Wake up and return that I just hope that you can learn that before the sun sets. Cause when the morning comes, the world gon' keep going on. I need a hundred thousand miles on my dashboard. Couple more steps on my passport. Only other thing I can ask for is love. Can't be sitting around and wishing that I had more. Always finding something to be mad for. Man, I hate my life. I wish I had yours, but it's yours. Yours, 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 yours. Yesterday I woke up out the matrix. So today is right back to the basics. Blocking and tackling, taking angles in pursuit of my happiness and embracing my nappiness. It's Wakanda forever, had us under the weather. Sick and tired of the pressure, always gotta be fresher, always gotta be extra. Everybody is special. Social media training, if you're speaking the language. All day long, all I see is everybody perfect when I'm scrolling through my phone. These overcrowded conditions under which our people are forced to live... Eliminates all chances for a normal life, a clean life, or a healthy life. Because our children grow up in these overcrowded, this overcrowded atmosphere, the lack of much-needed privacy destroys their sense of shame. 
It lowers their moral standards and leaves them exposed to every form of indecency and vice imaginable. Our young girls, our daughters, our baby sisters become unwed mothers before they are hardly out of their teens. Our community has thousands of unmarried mothers, mothers who have no hope of ever getting a husband. And our community has tens of thousands of little babies who have no father to act as their provider or protector. In fact, the only provider many of our children know is the white welfare agent or the white social worker. Many of our children actually mistake the welfare agent or the white social worker for their father. And oftentimes this is true. The overcrowded homes of our community force us to live under some of the worst sanitary conditions imaginable. It becomes almost impossible to practice the rules of good hygiene. And therefore, tuberculosis, syphilis, gonorrhea, and other destructive social diseases are on the rampage throughout our community. Our people and the Negro community are trapped in a vicious cycle of ignorance, poverty, disease, sickness, and death. There seems to be no way out no way of escape. The wealthy, educated, black bourgeoisie, those uppity Negroes who do escape, never reach back and pull the rest of our people out with them. The black masses remain trapped in the slums. And because there seems to be no hope or no other escape, we turn to wine, we turn to whiskey, and we turn to reefers, marijuana, and even to the dreadful needle, heroin, morphine, cocaine, opium, seeking an escape. Many of us turn to crime, stealing, gambling, prostitution, and some of us are used by the white overlords downtown to push dope in the Negro community among our own people. Unemployment and poverty have forced many of our people into a life of crime, but the real criminal is in the city hall downtown, in the state house, and in the White House in Washington, D.C., Welcome back to the Myths of Dialogue talk show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Danelle King. This morning's discussion question, in America, do blacks play the victim? Again, you heard of Cut from Square Business Entertainment, our sponsor, Joe Belize, all day long. Find it on all streaming platforms. As you just heard, a prevalent cut, in my opinion, from Malcolm X, that in my opinion could apply Today, just as it did in 1963 when he was making that comment, and if I could just highlight this as a, as a side note, uh, Andre Three Stacks is known for, for using the word trap in the music hip-hop industry first and foremost, but it's on record now that Malcolm X called the trap, the trap first well before anybody else did way back in 1963. Uh, again, this is a serious discussion, but just wanted to highlight uh, me being a fan of Malcolm. Uh, Shelly, I, I know we don't have have you much longer, so I'm going to start with you. Um, as I listen to Malcolm and some of the things I've heard um, you say in the first hour, uh, I would offer that some of what Malcolm said sounds like a victim, at least, at least from the way your perspective seems to me. I'm not saying that's correct, but I'm just throwing it out there again, just kind of getting into nuance, that as I listen to Malcolm, does he not sound like maybe one of the victims that you seem to be referring to? Um, your thoughts, King. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me get you live. First, 
All right, go ahead, Shelly. Go ahead. The first first part of his speech could not be said by anybody African-American today uh, without being castigated, without being thrown out, without being disinvited to the barbecue as victim-blaming plain and simple. But then he goes on to explain what's going on in the black community because of these conditions, which is kind of what Robert was saying earlier. So the the fact of the matter is, like you said, now, let me get there real quick. Out- I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I don't think I don't think I understand you I, I think you can you explain that first part so that I know exactly what you're saying that the person you know that it would that it would he be said it. I don't want to make the assumption. Yeah, everything kinda, that he said yeah, but I, 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 everything I, I don't know what you're talking about when you say it, so I want to understand you. I'm not sure what you're asking me. He said it. So he when, you said the first part of it, have, when you said the first part of it would be victim blaming, I don't know what part you're referring to. Like, I don't know what that I'm refers talk, to. I don't I'm understand. To the part, I'm, I'm talking to the part where he detailed all the problems that exist in a black community that black people can control. And then he went on to discuss those problems that exist are partially due to the, the other issues that he second the second part of his, his speech. I mean, it was clear there's two different parts to, the, to what you just clipped. There's a part where okay, he says... Okay, so here's what I understand what you're saying. Here's what I want to kind of ask on that. So I, I would think people would big up it, and you're saying that people would not be invited for, to the barbecue for saying it. I, I, think, we could, I think we can say black it, and I would be invited to the barbecue. Hold on. Hold on, Montoya. Black conservatives have been saying exactly that first part for the last... 15 years. And when we make those statements, when we talk about, say, um, single parent households in a black community, we're shouted down. When he talked about the other problems that exist in a black community that are largely Mm -hmm. self-controlled, then we're shouted down. So I'm saying the first part of Malcolm X's speech that you just played would be largely uh, excoriated by the black uh, uh, intelligentsia or right. media or whoever if it was said today by anybody else. Gotcha. Go ahead. Sorry. And so, so the point I'm trying to make is that the difference is, is that so, so in what Malcolm was saying, let's use that example. You just played it. The Nation of Islam is standing there showing people where there's a way where you don't have to drink whiskey and wine and smoke grief and go to jail and, and live a life of crime. That was the example. That's why he was giving that speech. He was saying that there's a, there's a way forward for African-Americans and exist with the nation of Islam and the teachers, uh, teachings of Elijah Muhammad. Now, if you want to get away from that religious talk, what he's talking about is large numbers of people who joined the nation transformed their lives. Many of them came out of jail. Many of them became fathers to their families, became responsible husbands, and they started to uplift the community together as one nation. And so the issue that what he was speaking to is what we and Janelle have been talking about. You, you still have the corrupt city hall. You still have the racism. You still have the redlining. You still have all of those things, but it's in your power as a group or condition because it's in your control to change it. Or, or you can continue to complain about city hall. You can continue to complain about uh, 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 drug dealers and drugs. You can continue to complain about um, this, the racism and the system and all of that. You can you can continue to complain about that. And 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 forty fifty years after Malcolm gave very, those very same words, as you said, as you opened up the segment, you said a lot of these this can be said today. Well, what has what has transpired over those years? Nothing. So the point is, is that until you see a victim mentality as opposed to a victim mentality, you can't change what's going on. 
You can fight all you want about the systemic oppression that's going to be there. No one's accepting it. No one's saying that not to, to ignore it. No one's saying not to fight it back against it. What everyone is saying is what Malcolm says. It's in complete your control as, as to how you deal with it. And if you're able to deal with it, then the systemic racism doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if a bank gives you a loan if the community rises up to lend you the money. Look at all the black banks that are not existing anymore. You think they're not existing because of systemic racism, or you think they don't exist yeah. because black people went through their money to Wells Fargo and 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 uh, as opposed to Citizens Trust? Those are the no, they absolutely black don't exist because of systemic racism. They absolutely Whatever. don't exist. Uh, we um, can have that discussion. Have- there, was a, there was a there was an African American hospital that tried to open 15 years ago, right there in, 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 in uh, off of Cascade Road. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, off of Cascade Road, right there, right when you turn past Home Depot, a hospital, a building, Southern, it was supposed to be Southern Regional or something like that. It lasted eight months, eight months. A hospital was going to open right. up there, and, right there and, in the hood, and it lasted eight months. It didn't right, last right, eight months because right, white right. people didn't put their money behind it because this whole city is run by black people. So how did that black hospital that was supposed to open up only lasted eight months? They didn't even get beds in there before it had to be shut down. Well, how can that possibly happen in a city entirely run, the, the Hollywood of the South, entirely run by all African-Americans? So, 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 so when I listen to the hospital, I'm not the hospital example, I'm sorry, the bank example, and I hear Malcolm say, here's a trap that leads to these issues. Here's a trap that leads to these issues. And if you say to me, nothing has inherently changed since you said 63. That. You said, no, you said no, that. No, you said no, you that. said that. You said, you said, you said, what no, you changed said nothing. That's what that is. My, my that was yours. Was I, I didn't say anything. I let you respond. I just asked you a question. My, my story, your response, when you, you started said, the segment, sorry, nothing changed. Sir, you said that just segment, now. I was merely, Montoya, let me finish. I was merely responding to your statement when you opened the segment. This speech could be given today. That's what I was responding to. So, yeah, nothing has changed. We just spent an hour talking about all the systemic racism of what he just said. So nothing has changed. And I was responding to your – I was agreeing with what you said at the top when you started with the first no, words out your mouth. I didn't get you didn't this say that given today. Changed. You, know, you jumped in. When I, when I repeated what you said, you said I didn't say that. I was making another point, and I just reminded you that you did say it so that I could make my point. You jumped in when you said I didn't say that. I was just saying you did say that. That's all I was simply saying. So, like – so anyway, my point was that I do think that this, the comment can be made, whether you agree with it or not, I think the comment could apply in 2020. And nothing, if nothing has changed, that, if that trap led to these things, if, if, if that trap led to these results, how do you disregard the trap and assume that the results would be different if nothing, if nothing has changed since that time, you may think something has changed, and I'm willing to hear that. But I think it hasn't I say, changed. I didn't say they have. I'm not, that I'm not saying that they have or they haven't. I'm simply pointing out to you that there was an answer to those traps. And what he was saying, the answer to those traps, was basically born out of this organization called the Nation of Islam where they didn't see those problems. They didn't have a, a, a bunch of kids running around with no fathers. They didn't have a lot of crime. They didn't have a lot of, of this abject poverty because they worked together. That's the point I'm trying to make. I'm not saying that anything did or didn't change. I'm simply pointing out to you that if you have a, a mentality that says you're a loser, then you will end up being a loser. 
If you have a mentality that says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get around these impediments placed there by me, by others, then you will be a winner. And if you go sit down with Tony, whatever his name is, Les, Ma- Les Brown, or any of these successful self-help gurus, that's essentially what they're saying. So it's amazing to me that we can buy self-help books, we can buy the Bible, we can go to church, hear these uplifting messages, and leave the very next day and put them all to the side and continue on doing what we're doing. That's the only point of this yeah, whole conversation. We're up against the break. We're up against the break. Um, thank you. Shelly, for coming on again. The one thing I I'll just say it, with, and leave you with is, yeah, absolutely. The one thing I will leave you with is, we don't put it aside when we bring up these things. We continue to strive, just as Robert did through law school, in my opinion. Um, if you will share how people can hear you um, tonight, I think at nine o'clock. Go ahead and share that. We'll go to nine, ninety-five point five FM in your in your car radio. But if you're at the house, pull up WSB um, William Sam Boy radio.com wsbradio.com at 9 p.m. and uh, we have a great show planned for tonight we actually have marcus coleman calling in to talk about the rally that's uh, the caravan is going down to uh brunswick today we have him calling in talking about that um we got a lot on the table to discuss and we play a lot of music we have a lot of fun we laugh we joke it's not all politics it's not all serious um so i hope everybody would give us a chance tune in um, and call in um, if you do want to say something. But know that it's not a political show. It's not a heavy show like uh, Montoya's show. We don't, you know, we do talk about issues like that, but it's not all the whole show. We have a lot of fun. We laugh. We joke. We make fun of each other. There's four of us. And um, so I hope you all give us a shot. Listen tonight. And if you don't like it, don't ever listen again. But if you love it, tell all your friends. All right. Thanks a lot, uh, Shelley. Thank you. We'll be right back. You listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think myself and my co-host, Janelle King, will carry on going forward. For all of you out there on the lines, you have to press one to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. the sight of a policeman instills a sense of calm, faith that order is being kept, that the good guys are watching. But for many others, thousands stopped on the streets of New York because they look or act a certain way. 
Encounters with the blue and white breed fear, frustration, and anger at a force that some say is bent more on intimidation than serving and protecting. So here's my co-anchor, Bill Weir. Please put your hands up against the wall. It's the kind of scene that could play out on any given day in any city in America. Men in blue stopping young men of color as tensions rise. In this case, a robbery suspect is caught. Listen to me, you're not free to leave. Just stay here. Turn around. I might be arrested for. I didn't do anything wrong. The others released. And the cops managed to keep it by the book. I don't get it. I understand you're upset, but I'm sorry for the inconvenience. But this scene is just pretend. It is an NYPD training drill to reinforce a proper way to do what is known as a 250, that controversial tactic designed to stop crime before it happens. Controversial because critics say 250s rarely happen with this much courtesy and this much probable cause. They say the NYPD stops and frisks way too many innocent men of color for no good reason. He's holding me, he's going through your pocket, he's going up, down. You want to go to jail? For, 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 for what? Shut for what? your mouth, kid. Well, why am I getting arrested for? Shut your mouth. What am I getting arrested for? For being a mutt, you know that's what? A, that's a law, being a mutt. He's going through my sweater. Then that's when, that's when he told me to keep my hands on my head. So I was like this the whole time. Frustrated by how often he was being stopped in his Harlem neighborhood, a 16-year-old son of a cop named Alvin says he hit record on his iPod one night in 2011. Why are you, you pressing that for as two undercover officers approached. Our job is looking for suspicious behavior. Would you keep looking at us like that, looking back? Because y'all always like, I just got stopped like two blocks away. Like, listen to me. When you were walking the block with your hood up and you keep looking back at us like that, bro, you think you might have something. It is one of the few known recordings of something that happens nearly 2,000 times a day in New York, but whether this is the exception or the rule is a debate dividing America's biggest city. I don't think it was a unique stop for Alvin or any of the other young people that I've talked to personally. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, in America, do blacks play the victim? Special guest co-host Janelle King on with me this morning. Thank you, Queen, for being with us. For all of you on the phone lines, you do have to press one if you're trying to get in on this morning's discussion. I thought it would not be appropriate to have this discussion without bringing up um, our relationship uh, as the African-American community, uh, unfortunately, I would say unfortunately, uh, with the police, if you will, how it's seen and and how we view it and it seems to be viewed very differently uh, in America. And so this plays out um, even to the point of um, Shelley segueing into the, the protests, you know, down in Brunswick, not specifically because of police officers in that situation, uh, but quite often that is the case. And so I uh, definitely wanted to uh, bring that up. And a question I have for you, Janelle, is not directly related to, to that cut, and you can definitely speak to the cut. Um, but as I, as I listen to yourself or, and Shelly, um, the one thing that I stay confused about is it seems we, I, I'll hear Shelley make, for example, say the example of saying he'll, he said, for example, um, we're not saying don't be concerned with those things. In my opinion, what happens is the minute that they're brought up to say, here are some things that create this trap, for example, that Malcolm talked about, when just the even mention of it, for me, seems to drive your perspective into that I'm being held back or I'm doing less in my personal life. That has never been the case. So it's not something I've ever understood. So you can kind of jump in on the cut or even what I'm saying. Thank you, Queen, for being with me. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so we, I didn't get to respond at all in that last segment, so I'm just going to just take this time to, to address one of the caller's questions as well. But um, okay. I just want to say, let's, let's start with the Malcolm piece, right? So if Malcolm was living today, I don't feel like his, his message would be the same. I think it would be a shifted just a little bit because there are things that have changed. For one, we're not fighting Jim Crow policy today. Right now, Jim Crow, the whole Jim Crow mindset is only in the heads of whether you're poor or gay, whether you're, you're the white man who thinks that we still need Jim Crow or the black man who thinks you're fighting Jim Crow. It's only in your head at this point. In fact, there are more minority requirements and mandates placed on government contracts and city contracts now than it's ever been before. And they're designed to give the advantage to the black community and to black businesses. Unfortunately, most of us don't even apply or position ourselves in order to take advantage of it. And then Malcolm also had a foundation to stand on. There was a platform, to Shelley's point, that he had where he are, they were already addressing so many issues on his side so that he could take on the big fight. And it seems like, I mean, so building, so, so to go back to the question that Kimberly had for me, um, hey, Kimberly, about, you know, how can you be the victor if you are, you know, in these situations, it's because, by, by tackling those personal situations and making those personal decisions and, respons- and, and handling those things responsibly, create that foundation to stand on so that your fight can be effective. Being the victor is taking personal responsibility to address those things. It's like, it's like you can't tackle a food desert without, you know, first building the perseverance that you need in order to, despite not having that food desert. Because if not, it's like going to the gym for the first time and attempting to lift the heaviest weight when you've never been in the gym before. And then instead of you saying, you know what, maybe I should start with the smaller weight right now and work my way up, you just give up and quit and start complaining and saying that, oh, it's not for me. And that's where the problem yeah, is, because ultimately our I people, we're going to our I just, I had one sentence, like, I didn't talk at all in the last segment, just one sentence. So ultimately, as a people, we're slowly killing ourselves, thinking that some, it's someone else's, and that's where I think the problem lies. So that's very confusing to me. I also think um, it's slightly unfair. Uh, Kimberly, if you're still out there listening, if you press one, I'll let you get back in. I'll share that. For anybody out there listening, if you press that's one you can get in. The phone number to get in if you're online is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. Press one to let us know you want to speak. Um, that's very confusing for me, Janelle, in, in your response, that you still tend to believe that in me saying, mentioning that there is, we, we lack a healthy food track, that there is an assumption that... We do nothing. Like I, I live in, I, I live in. No, my for example, response wasn't college. to you. My response was to Kimberly's point. It wasn't to you. Yeah, but either way, I still want to point this out because uh, he, here's here's mm-hmm. what I because she didn't ask, she didn't, she didn't say that's how not, to be the That's not what she was saying. That's what I mean. That wasn't what she yeah, was yeah, saying. So you, I was yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm making a point. I'm making a point. I'm making a point too. So just understand that's my point. But I'll say, you know, but be in particular to her. You said, you said, you were, your response to her was how to be the victor. That's not what she asked. She didn't say how to be a victor. She said, what she asked. That's exactly what she said. No, hopefully she's not. I wrote the question, question down when she said, how can you be the victor if you have these situations and if you're dealing with these situations? That was the question. Her question, her question was, how can you have this so she I'll, I'll put the word so-called on it, but this is how I understood it. How can you have this so-called victor mentality 
as if these other things don't exist. That's a different question all the than what you No, here, here's what I'm saying. She's not asking how do you have a victor mentality despite these things. That's not what she's saying. She's saying where where is this victor mentality as if these things don't exist? That's kind of how I understood her question. I think that is a nuance. Okay. Well, yeah, well, no one said that they didn't exist. We all said they exist. We were saying that from the beginning, that they absolutely exist. We were talking about the ability to overcome it, which is why you need the victor mentality to overcome these things. When you say they exist, where the, the individual things that you say for personal responsibility are things that plenty of people in these communities are doing. Our, my, our question to you would be, how do you address the systemic stuff? Because the individual, individual doing mm-hmm. that doesn't change the systemic things that factor in. Yeah, um, I'll that's a great that question. That's a great question. So the way you address systemic issues is, number one, stop electing the same people who are not fixing the problem over and over and over again. Again, as I stated earlier in the show, that most of these cities that are dealing with these are ran by black people. So how, are you, how is it that you're putting a whole council of black people in place who are supposed to oversee these policies and, and also assist with creating new policies that would benefit the community, and they don't even understand what's happening in the community, and they're black. So you keep, and instead of you voting them out and putting people in place who do understand, you just keep reelecting them over and over and over again. I mean, how many times do our schools have to fail before you change the school board member and put a school board in place? I actually assisted a school board member I mean, a, a city council member who ran for school board. She's an educator. She she has a platform in place, a strong, strong um, foundational plan and policy and plan in place that I think will actually have benefited schools coming from her education background. But instead, we had stakeholders, which are the people who are, you know, the, the elected officials that everyone worships. We had them, and instead of them supporting this lady, they supported somebody else who never was even worked in a classroom before. So this, that's the type of stuff we got to fix in order to deal with the systematic racism and the systematic issues that we're dealing with. Well, not necessarily racism, but the systematic issues that we're dealing with. But that's something, that's, 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 that's on a much larger scale. So what I'm saying is position yourself of a, to a, in a position of strength so that you can endure. When people talk about the bus boycott, what they forget is that during the bus boycott time that it lasted for over 365 days. So if you are not in a position where you're willing to have put in the perseverance and the, the discipline to see your plan all the way to the end, then you're just fighting, you're fighting for no reason. It's a lost cause. You have to strengthen yourself first. All right, we are up against the break. When we come out of the last half an hour, we will get to all the callers. We have at least three callers out there. Again, press one if you want to speak. We're going to go heavy callers after this quick break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Just 
what am I supposed to do? I feel like I'm overdue. Worked a couple lifetimes. I feel like I'm over too. Feel like I got more to do. I know I ain't done yet. Handle what you supposed to do. Gotta teach my son. It's a blessing in the sunrise. Wake up and return that. I just hope that you can learn that before the sun sets. Cause when the morning comes, we're gonna keep going on. People, everyone uses excuses, Correct. and people can be uh, using excuse, play, playing the victim by whatever excuse they may bring. But, but like you said, and like you said, like we weren't given an opportunity basically to to build that generational wealth, and without that opportunity, we don't own anything. So we are having to kind of look for employment, like at wherever you work. And even you said you have there's one person at D1 that's black. There's and we're 15% of the nation, that's not an accurate representation of America. So therefore, we may not be playing a victim, but we're getting hurt in corporate America or whatever part of life. And yeah, that, that's kind of just statistics. I'm going to agree with him. Um, you know, I also don't like the term playing the victim because oh. it does sound like you're alluding to something that is not real. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. if you, if we, you know, I'm not dismissing or negating the effects of 400 years of oppression sure. and, you know, the things that we've seen and been through. I'm not dismissing any of that. But if we cut it all off and we started with a year ago, we are still being victimized by the stuff you have to see on TV. You have African-American boys who at the age of 11 or 12, all they have ever seen were African-American boys being killed on TV. Mm -hmm. That's all they've ever seen. They've not known the life without it because they've watched this happen since they've been old enough to understand. Mm -hmm. They are victims. You can go into a grocery store. You can go into an amusement park. You can go anywhere and be mistreated, and you will be a victim today. We're not talking about the victimization only of the yesteryears. You can be a victim tomorrow. And I think if we're all honest, we have been in places where you have been the victim. You were either wrongly accused or wrongly criticized or or maybe let's not even make it a negative thing. Looked over for a job unjustly. (laughs) It's happening. So you there's a there's a a rationale to the, the relevancy of still being victimized. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Janelle Keaton. This morning's discussion question, in America, do blacks play the victim? I said we're going to go heavy callers, so let's start getting to the callers. Area code 916-3257. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents in this morning's discussion. Good morning. Good morning, Montoya and your host. Thank you so much for the discussion. This is Tamika. I'm calling from California. Hey, thank you, Queen. What and, you got for it? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, man, there's so much to unpack. You know, I really appreciate the Sister Black comments with regard to, you know, have, being able to have the perseverance. I think one of the things uh, when we dismiss it as victimhood, we're not really um, addressing the institutions and the industry and the policies that have been put in place to really kind of uphold this system of, I, won't, I don't like to say system of superiority. I like to say the system of dominance, right? So uh, 
over those years, they were able to put policies in place. Over those years, they were able to uh, construct industries that are all working together and have kind of these unspoken and written and codified processes of who they will and will not do business with. You know, so I think it's important that when we're talking about this, this subject is, yes, it's going to take perseverance. It's going to take action on multiple levels from your, you know, the policies in place, the people that you elect, and, you know, how we collectively act. I really think, you know, some of the things that Malcolm was saying about that collective action, you know, we're starting to bring that back now. It's just really important that we understand that it's not just one thing we have to do. And that perseverance muscle, which we know we got, right, which we've been persevering this whole time, it's going to take some different nuances to get over what has been, right, put in place right, for the dominant culture to stay dominant, right? So when the brother unpacked the thing about the hospital that opened up and it's an all-black community, so how did it fail? Well, let's talk about, you know, the requirements for getting beds in that hospital, the requirements for getting contracts and people when, they, when there's an emergency situation, when that ambulance comes to get somebody, there is a radius and a contractual requirement between that ambulance and the hospitals that already exist for, for, for people to become be brought to the hospital. So understand that there's probably multiple things that had to happen for that hospital to exist. So if we're not operating on those fronts, of course there was, some, there was a possibility, right, that it was going to fail on top of the fact that hospitals are nonprofits and they get billions of dollars of funding every year that no one is talking about. So there were there multiple things that probably had to happen in order for that hospital to be successful. So we can't, we have to attack multiple fronts. And so our perseverance must be real, right? It has to be collective, right? And we have to understand, like the sister was saying, who to put in position at the policy level so we can get out of this um, subjugated systems that they've created within society. That's what we're facing. Not victim mentality, not any of that. It's the systems that are in place, and we know they are. So how do we move within those systems so that we're no longer uh, victimized by it? Um, so, so thank you yeah, for the time. Thank you for the No, absolutely. Okay. Uh, strong I'm a, I want to say something to Janelle in reference to what you said, and we're going to get to the next caller. Uh, Janelle, I'm bringing you back up. So one thing that I hear that Tamika just pointed out that I 100% agree with, and I just want to hear a quick thought, and then we'll go to the next caller. So the, I think she gives a perfect example within the hospital. She says, hey, here's an example of a contract that may be in place that plays a role, one role. There are several different issues like this, but one role is maybe not having that contract plays a role, a small role in why that hospital. Her point being that that, that, that requirement or that that contract systemically makes it difficult for a black hospital to go up, even in Atlanta, for example, and she's just giving that, using that as one example. And so to, to address, okay, we know that's in play, how do we play around it, is we have to talk about it versus, in my opinion, reduce it to just simply, it failed in the black community. No, it's being strategic, like she's saying, is the requirement. And in my opinion, in trying to bring it up, some people are always like, you're playing to the victim. And we're like, no, we're trying to deal with that systemic issue. Your thought on that, and then we're going to go to the next caller. Okay, first, I, I thought she was awesome, and I agree with a, a majority of what she was saying. But, how, but, but I want to I push back a little bit on the, on the hospital thing. Well, first of all, we don't know why the hospital failed. The assumption that it failed because we didn't have, or the hospital didn't have what it needs is part of the reason why I think we have a lot of challenges. 
Um, and then on top of it, it could, why can't it be that the people who put the hospital in place didn't do things properly, or why couldn't it be that they didn't apply for certain things, or they didn't know so how do you out there? Wait, I'm just, I'm answer, I didn't interrupt you. I mean, you can definitely counter me after I get completed. But what I'm saying is so how, how do we know these things are not there? All of those things are assumptions. I don't even think we can debate what happened with the black hospital because we don't know what happened. Everything is an assumption. And then I want to, but I do want to say something to her point, though, about the systems that are in place. It is, it is, you have the human nature that whoever's in power is going to put policies in place that are going to benefit them and their, their community, whether they're black, white, Indian, whatever they are. That's going to happen. So, yes, we need to make sure we are putting the right people in place. But let's not neglect the policies that are currently in place that are benefiting African Americans. Like I said, the disadvantaged um, businesses of, of, of agreements and mandates that are on contracts. A lot of black people don't take advantage of that. Let's talk about the first step act that the president put in place that people rejected simply because it came from the president. Let's talk about opportunity school zones that was put in place. It may not have been the best idea, but it was something to help our failing schools that black people rejected because it didn't came from a Republican governor. It's just there are so many things that we can't talk about. We can't only talk about what, we, what we're fighting against without talking about what we're neglecting to utilize based off of the fact that we just want to have ideological differences. Yeah, I would like to talk about those, Can I make a comment, sis? Yeah, go ahead. Can I make a comment real quick? Uh, So I I just want to say, right, I I 100% agree with you, Queen, right? And I think what, what I seem to see is that we don't understand the real challenges that we're going to be up against. And so when it gets hard, Sometimes and it gets hard. Listen, I I've been up against mm-hmm. some liars in government contracting, right? So when when we get mm-hmm. into this, it, it's gonna get tough. They're going to it's gonna be pushed back. There's gonna be things that maybe we didn't know. Now we got to try to learn to understand. It, mm-hmm. it, it's it's easier to go back to what was what was maybe comfortable, maybe that job or maybe. And I'm not saying that that's always the case, mm-hmm. but but yeah, I, you're right. I'm building that stuff, Queen, right? And when we see these mm-hmm. challenges, we're like, oh, my goodness, this is another mountain. I know. But listen, mm-hmm. listen, queen, kings and queens, Egypt and Rome and all these other the empires were building today. We've built civilization. So tap into that, what you right. know you're going to have to have. And you're going to take some L's. I mean, L's. Yeah. But your perseverance and understanding these things and maybe putting together another team that's going to make you successful, that's the key. So I'm not, I fully don't disagree with you. I agree. Like we're we're taking the wrong examples, right? We're trying to figure out why things, so I'm not going to, I can't do that, right? What I can say is, Mm -hmm. yes, the system. And we need to understand that it's going to be hard. This ain't easy, y'all. We, and it, mm-hmm. we've got to have more than, you know, just service something. We've got to start producing. There's so much stuff we can unpack on this show, but we're not going to. What we will say is the perseverance is necessary, hard, mm-hmm. and the dominant society, and the institutions, the industries, and the policies that are in place are stacked against you. So are you ready? Are you ready for 365? And I'm talking maybe another 365 years. Are we ready? Let's build that muscle. Yep. Thank you. That's, 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 that's it. That's yeah, awesome. I know you got Thank you so much. Let me get to the other callers. Seven seven zero last three two nine eight. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Yes, uh, my name is Mary, and I'm calling from the Jersey Shores. 
Okay. Thank you, Mary. I from moved from Atlanta. Yes, I moved from Atlanta to the Northeast about, uh, I guess, two years ago. And I lived in Atlanta. And I moved from Connecticut to Atlanta. And I think that it's so much it's so much easier for black people to make it in red states. I don't know why, but black mm-hmm. people in, in what they call blue states have it so much harder. They're so far behind. And I think that it's because of the mentality of liberal states thinking that, uh, as one person said it, that black people are like a three-legged dog that they want to take care of. That, it, that You have this mentality uh, that black people hold in liberal states that they want to, that they need to be taken care of. They're, when you go to red states, it's 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 um it's a whole we be, we we tackle a whole different mentality and often I always refer back to Booker T Washington when he says there's a certain class of colored people who make a, a business of keeping troubles and wrongs and the hardship of Negro race before the public because they benefit from it. You know we can we can look at Chicago and how it has not changed. How many years has Chicago dealt with the gang problem. How many years? It's a so-called liberal state. They haven't done anything. Now they have a black mayor, woman. She's she's gotten more upset about them not wearing masks during the COVID epidemic than she does about you know young black boys killing themselves. It, it's it's uh, you know I'm I am I don't have any answers. You know, I don't have any answers, and I and I often sit back and and think about what is wrong with us as a people. And I and I and I look in the mirror every day, and I see this black woman, and so I love myself. So you know, I don't have any answers, and I think that's the reason why I called in because it's such a it's a complicated situation. We're we're such a complicated people. You know, it's so many things that we're dealing with. Yes, we deal with uh, systematic racism. Yes, we deal with that. But we also deal with the fact that we have a community that we plague ourselves. We 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 uh, we have we we have children out of wedlock. We have children that go out and rob from within their own neighborhood, and then the people within their own neighborhood buy that item that they know came from their neighbor. You know, we, we're, we're just a complex people. It's a whole lot. We have uh, food deserts, but why don't we get together like other cultures that come to this country that major supermarkets don't want to come into their neighborhoods, but what do they do? They get together, they start their own neighborhood. They start their own supermarkets like they do. They, they right, grow their own food. They become together. Why can't we come together? Thank you for your talk this, this morning. We'll, we'll yeah. definitely discuss coming out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. 
If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. If you have a product or service you want to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please give me a call, 404-604-9477. You are individual. Please support us at mentaldialogue.com. Keep intelligent radio on the air. We do have another caller that wants to get in. I'm going to make one quick comment. Um, ultimately, we're you know, coming up on the last segment, and the reality is, as I listen to the last caller, uh, as always, unfortunately, in my opinion, uh, these end up being either-or conversations, and I beg for the and versus the either-or. Uh, I beg for the both conversation. Uh, one comment that was made uh, in the last hour on one of the cuts, a uh, young man said, while striving to be your best self, you should never accept equality. While striving to be your best self, you should never accept inequality. Uh, that is uh, a both conversation to me. And I don't think that we do that enough. Uh, for example, even amongst this conversation, like when I listen to Malcolm say, hey, here are the scenarios that created these scenarios, I am always still blown away how the conversation can be devoid of what created it. But the assumption that me, me mentioning what created it is the assumption that I'm not going to try when I, when like, for example, a Tamika calling in, who I know very well, who's been a co-host on this show before, um, when, she, when she mentions, um, you know, these, this is the fight, this is the perseverance needed, but yet there are these systemic things. This is a sister who I know will be the first black-owned manufacturer in apparel um, in the country since 1908. That's, a, that's something that she's going to do, period. The perseverance is there. So I never understand the pushback in for example, her missing, mentioning here may be a systemic issue. And here's one contradiction I felt that you made, Janelle, and I'll let you respond to this, then we'll go to the caller. One contradiction, you say, those in power are going to make these, these um, systems that are beneficial for themselves. I don't disagree with that. I think that is absolutely true. Because they're going to do that, that's where the assumptions come, because there is a history, and we can now go look back at history and say, oh, it was the systemic reason that played a role why more people didn't come through because this was put in place. So that ends up being a fair assumption quite often in this country. Your thoughts on that, then we'll go to the call. 
Well, yeah, because it, it's human nature. Like, it, it's not about what they are doing. It's what we are doing. We are human beings or human nature, so we're going to naturally make sure that we're putting stuff in place that we feel is the right thing, and that's based off of our own personal experiences and perspectives. That's just, that's just natural psychology. But I also wanted to say the last lady who just spoke, she was phenomenal, and she kept saying that she doesn't have the answers. I felt like everything she listed off were the answers. And to your point about the either or, um, the conversation, that's human nature as well because your perspective is also an either or because I can push back and say that, you know, just because I'm saying that we need to focus on these other things doesn't mean that I think that we should forget about the past, which is something that we, that are often on, that take this approach, we're not naturally um, accused of saying that we need to throw away the past in order to move forward, and that's not it either. So I don't have a problem with the either-or conversation. I feel like it's going to naturally go back to that because that's, again, human nature, regardless of where you stand on the, on the topic. So in human nature, creating a systemic issue, does, then it sounds like you're saying, well, that's just human nature live with it and we're saying, no, I'm gonna persevere, I'm gonna fight when I come when I come when I doubt this thing was put in place like a higher requirement or a price point that naturally keeps people out. When I know that's done, now I want to systemically take that down. No, that's not true. That's to say that there are people who felt like affirmative action was creating a systemic well, there are people who felt like affirmative action when that policy came into place was creating a systemic um, a racism or systemic uh, issue. And there were people who feel like having the minority disadvantage thing is creating a systemic issue for us on the other side of the aisle. So no matter what side you're on, there are policies. That the, any, any policy that benefits a select group of people is going to have pushback from the other side. So, I mean, I, what I'm saying is that if you want to see things change, then you need to be a part of that change. And the only way you can be a part of that change is if you understand what it takes to have the strength to do it. And that's what I told so when so I look why, at like why, why, you why do you hear me saying I want to address the systemic issue? How do you hear me being devoid of the perseverance or the strength? to attack it. I don't understand how you hear me well, also yeah, that, being that's, devoid. Well, I don't understand how you came to that conclusion. I never said you were attacking it or you were devoid of it. You feel that way because that's your own I never said, I'm just giving you my perspective. I never said that you were on the opposite end or any of that. That was all your feelings. Right, so, so I here's why that. I come I don't think that. I think okay. that you do see both sides of it. So so here's why I think why, why I come to that conclusion because, and I've consistently asked this question is your response to here's a systemic thing. Your response is always, well, here's what we need to do personally. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, I addressed this systemic, I addressed this systemic issue. Why now explain to me what I need to do personally that has nothing to do with the systemic thing as if it's like, as if I'm not willing that I'm not doing that. Like that, you understand what I'm saying? So I understand that yeah, I'm that's, gathering that's, that. That's from all in your head. head. That's, I gave you two examples of how we can address the systemic issue without the personal responsibility. I gave you two examples already. I, I right. mentioned it by electing people, electing people who are in the interest of your community. I've said that like at least four times now. So I am addressing that. I, I mean, I have two different sides to it. I mean, what? So what I'm saying though is, what I'm saying is, here's the part where I think you're missing me. I hear, I've heard all of that. Where you're missing me is. 
when the when the initial systemic issue is brought up, mm-hmm. your initial your initial response to someone is to go to what they individually can do that has nothing to do with the question that they brought up or systemically. I had to specifically That's ask you, true. well, what can we do? About- no, here it is. Here it is. It, no, it has been. I had to specifically ask you, well, what can we do systemically? Like, I had to ask you that. No, I had you, to ask you didn't. You, that. you didn't because I – no, you didn't. <laughs> That's not true, my no, friend. That's not true. In the beginning no, of the be- discussion, you asked me what was my personal perspective as to the victim mentality, and my personal perspective was that we do have to acknowledge those things. However, we need to make sure we focus on what we can do personally first. That's what I said. I never said that those other issues were not there. I never said that we don't need to address them. What I've been saying for the whole entire show is that... I never said that the issues were not there. You have not heard me say that at all. What I said is when the systemic issue is brought up, you go to the individual thing that has nothing to do with the systemic issue that's brought up. It has up. For everything example, to do with it. It has everything to do with it. The fact that you think that personal responsibility has nothing to do with the systematic issues that we are dealing with is the reason why we continue to see our communities fail over and over and over again. Personal responsibility, okay. individual advancement has everything to do with it. Everything. Okay, so you, you can't move as a collective if individuals don't behave in their own personal roles. It's impossible. Okay. So, so as I say, when I go to these children and tell them the responsibility that they need to have, which is all about personal responsibility, what I'm saying is when I, when I say nothing to do with, I'm not saying personal responsibility has nothing to do with how we progress. What I'm saying is a systemic issue can be brought forward. For example, that the, the idea of a contract being put in place that could play a role in why a hospital fails. That contract by itself is not why the hospital fails. And all I'm saying is you may find that there are several of those things that play a role, which is what happened to our banks. It wasn't that we ran out of, out, out of our banks like Shelly offered. There were systemic issues as once they had access to our banks and how they undercut those local banks in a way that they could not financially exist due to there were no monopoly laws in place. That is the re- real system. It's also due to the fact that we didn't have, we, we, we weren't folk, we didn't have people in place to represent us either, which I agree is something that we had to grow and develop into over time. But let's not get it twisted. When we were looking at the era during the time when we were succeeding the most, which, which a lot of people considered a call Black Wall Street, we had tons of blank banks. Matter of fact, during the Great Depression era, the white people who were struggling on the Great Depression era was going to black banks to get loans. So there were times when we were succeeding, and yes, we dropped the ball in there in a certain degree, but I, I give a lot of credit to that era because they worked further and pushed more and produced more with less than what we're doing today. So I'm sorry if, if today we don't have it the way we thought we should. It's not as cushioned and comfortable. But the people who fought before us put a lot of effort into what they built during that time. So all I'm saying right. is that while we acknowledge these things, we got to make sure we understand the role we play and make sure that we are putting forth the effort. In order, just like my sister said in California, we got to make sure that we are persevering in the right direction. Because this right 
right now what we're talking about, I don't even know why you're, you, you know, you're, you're debating so, my ability so does, to does, understand does, does that there's there's a lawyer despite that example that he gave. Like, I, I don't understand the concept that there is no perseverance. He became a lawyer anyway. Despite, I didn't say that either. Like, what, I never said yeah, there was saying, no persevere. I just said we got to continue saying, to persevere. persevere. He didn't persevere anyway. The reality is we had that's, 15 that's acres, that's your 50, acres that's your and it was systemically taken to, down to five. It was systemically taken down to five. It wasn't anything that that's I formed. That's all your emotional perspective to it, and I can't argue your emotional perspective. That's, your, that's all your emotional perspective. I never said There's those things. Emotional. I never said those things. What are you talking about? You, I, I didn't say you said them. I'm bringing them to the point now. We had 15. I didn't say you said anything about this. I'm bringing it to the table. You, we you had did. 15 million acres <laughs> in farmland, and the reason we have 5 million now is not is systemically the land was taken. That is a truth. So when you give credit to them building it up to that time period, you also must give credit to why it's not still built up when you find out it was systemically taken. I didn't say you said any of this. I brought this to the table. I understand. Thank you, I, okay, I do understand that, Montoya, and I will say this. My brain just happens to not work where I think about all the reasons why something fails. My brain works where I think about how we can succeed, and that's just how my brain works. So if I don't acknowledge all the opportunities we had to fail or why we failed, it's not because I don't know it was there. It's just that that's not how my brain works. Right, but the way it gets turned couch today is as if we did something other than what we did. We have to be aware of the systemic stuff in order to build back again. I, That's all I'm saying. I agree. Thank you so I much. Agree. I agree. I think we put a lot of energy there. I want, to give you the last, I want to give you the last thought. Uh, thank you so much for being on with me this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And you can yeah, I want to give you yeah, one last thought. Yeah, 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 one last thought I'll give you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just want to do. say that part. Just everyone, you can tune in every Sunday. Uh, Fox 5 Atlanta. I'm on the Georgia Gang panelist day. Our team is so awesome. It's a diverse mindset. So, you know, make sure you tune in at 8.30 a.m. every Sunday morning on Fox 5 Atlanta. And you can follow me on all social media platforms at I am underscore Janelle J. Janelle K now. And um and then you can find me Janelle Jones on Facebook. I mean, sorry, Janelle King on Facebook. I recently got married. <laughs> yeah, you better remember that. Now it's all good. Thank you so much for being yeah, on. Janelle all King I, on Facebook. Thank you so much for having me. All right, thank you very much. All I ask is that you think.